Media. How you doing, everybody? The Chet Comic Podcast Network. Welcome to Sports Course, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your host, Chet Kovic and Lester Munson. Once again, sports court time. How you doing, everybody? I'm Chet Kovic along with America's premier sports legal expert, Lester Munson from ESPN. We're brought to you, of course, by our marvelous friends at American Taxi, Chicago's premier suburban taxi service. Uh, right at the top, Lester, if you are uh, uh, Lou Pinella, in light of what transpired with uh, Carlos Zambrano and the historic meltdown over at uh, U.S. Cellular Field this past Friday night, uh, how disturbed, outright angry, and disgusted are you with Ozzie Guillen? Forget about Zambrano. Having dinner with Ozzie Guillen at the at the at the ultra hot uh, Hotel Wit on uh, North State Street on Friday night, roughly you know five or six hours after Zambrano has been uh, uh, suspended. How furious are you that that a rival manager would actually be seen in public with your ball player on the day he's suspended? It amazed me when I heard about that. I couldn't believe it had happened. And, and I think you're right. You have to blame Ozzie Guillen for this. Zambrano claims that Guillen is some kind of mentor for him. Maybe that's Zambrano's problem, having Ozzy as a mentor. Shouldn't Guillen, at his age, having gone through all the things he's gone through, have understood that maybe it's a better idea to uh, have a private dinner somewhere, stay home, tell Carlos to take the day off, we'll get together uh, later in the season? I can't believe Guillen would do this. It, it really is a kick in the head of Lou Pinella, and all I can imagine is that Pinella is in a rage and trying to figure out what now he can do about this, and there may not be anything. When I uh, heard about it Friday night, my first reaction was, I, I wonder what the local press will do with it on Saturday and Sunday, and I was I was just stunned, just taken aback, that there was there was really no visceral, no spontaneous reaction of, of disgust on the part of the local media. It, it seems odd. Uh, this is the old beat writer dilemma. You're the guy covering the White Sox. Here is a time when you have to say something very critical of Ozzie Guillen. Can you do it? Will you do it? Sometimes these guys do it. Sometimes they don't. Um, but it's it's a disgrace what Guillen did here, above and beyond all of what Zambrano did. I mean, that's bad enough, and then this on top. All right. Uh, people have asked me, for example, uh, given Zambrano's history, given the meltdown, uh, trying to uh, create a physical confrontation with uh, with Derek Lee. Why couldn't the Cubs just declare Zambrano's contract null and void? When you try to explain to people that here we are in the uh, year 2010 and that even a suspension has got to be worked out, worked out with the Players Association before you can move forward, which means you've got Bud Selig involved, you've got Jim Henry involved, you might have Tom Ricketts involved, you've got Zambrano's agent involved. Lester, you've got 40 people involved in this thing trying to determine how long or, or, or how much the Cubs can actually get away with with Zambrano. Yeah, the, the, the Players Union in baseball is a formidable organization. They have done the best job representing their workers, their players, their constituency of any union anywhere on the planet. And these contracts are almost impossible to rescind, even no matter what the player does. They are ironclad contracts. I have read the standard player contract, I'm sure, 40 times. There's no way for the Cubs to get out from under this based on what happened in that dugout. If 
if we go back to the days of Dave Parker snorting cocaine on the day of games with the Pirates, even then nobody could get out from under the contract. I mean, th- this is a powerful uh, transaction that binds the player to the club, and sure enough, the union's going to have to agree to any suspension here. I, I can't imagine that it's going to go for more than a week or ten days, but we'll see. Maybe the union people are tired of this guy, but I don't think so. They they take the player's point of view. But, I mean, uh, to follow up on this subject, why wouldn't the Cubs, to skirt the issue and maintain a 25th man on the roster, why not put him on what the NFL calls the physically unable to perform list? Why not DL him for psychological reasons and give him a couple of weeks off um, with the first week being in the form of suspension? I mean, I mean the point I'm getting to is, the Cubs are playing a man short, and this is already a rotten ball club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they could they needed a man extra. Um, they can do that, and they may yet do that, depending on what the suspension time turns out to be. I think Seattle did that with Milton Bradley. They took him off the roster yeah. for two weeks, but Milton Bradley agreed to that, so that made it very easy for them to do it. The I don't know if you could demote Zambrano to the Iowa Cubs and have him play in Des Moines for a while the way you can do in hockey. I don't think you can do that. I think they have to keep him on the major league roster. If I were king of everything, I would send Zambrano down to the Iowa Cubs to learn how to play right field. I would just give up on him as a pitcher. He can run the bases. He can hit. He can throw. Put him in right field and see what he can do. You know what? Let me tell you, that's not all that crazy. (laughs) <laughs> a little I, I have one thought over the weekend about how Zambrano might be able to be be moved. The guy is so prolific with the bat, and as you mentioned, he is so gosh darn athletic. Yeah. Why not find some American League team that's going nowhere that might gamble, if the Cubs were willing to chew, you know, say 65, 70% of Zambrano's deal, give this guy a pop as a designated hitter in the American League. He might hit 40 home runs. He is always happy when he's batting. All these temper eruptions come from pitching or from defense by the team behind him. He's never unhappy if he can go up and swing the bat. So, designated hitter, he might be perfect. He could be the greatest designated hitter since Edgar Martinez. Who knows? But that's just, we have a great idea here. We should call the Cubs when we're done. No, uh, I'll tell you why, Lester. We're thinking out of the box, as you know. Uh, by the way, Lester, I wanted to mention to you, the Cubs played their 20,000th regular season game over the weekend. Unofficially, according to my scorecard, that means they've played roughly 4,000 games in September alone that have meant absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful number. <laughs> and how many of those have I gone to? That's, that's the most embarrassing that's, number. That's the problem. You've gone to 3,000 of those games. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Is uh, Michael, Bri- Michael Vick rather uh, heaving? a massive sigh of relief right now? It's not over for him yet. This was an incident at a uh, kind of a nothing Mexican restaurant. Here's Michael Vick's state in life. His birthday party was at a Mexican restaurant of no particular distinction in Virginia Beach. The only reason they went there is it had a 2 a.m. license. After the party was over, they're all out on the sidewalk. And under Michael Vick is still under the jurisdiction of the judge in Richmond who sent him away to jail for Mm -hmm. two years, Henry Hudson, a very tough and nasty guy. There's a thing in the federal courts called supervised release. We used to call it parole. We used to call it probation. Now, to make the criminal feel better, we call it supervised release. We don't want them to feel like they're on parole. It would hurt their feelings. So he's on supervised release. That means no drugs, no thugs, 
no guns. My guess is all three were there for the birthday party. The Virginia Beach police are still looking into this. Luckily for Vic, everybody who was at the party is refusing to talk to the police. They're offering zero cooperation. Somebody will turn, and then maybe he still has a problem. If, If the judge in Richmond gets a hold of him again, Watch out. That could be a real problem. Then, uh, quite frankly, going up to um, uh, the east, you as stunned as I am that uh, all of a sudden Lawrence Taylor is in major hot water. He is in major hot water. That's a jail time offense. There's no question about it. He was working hard with his lawyers, offering witnesses and different accounts of what happened, trying to avoid this indictment. Somehow they have decided there that they have enough evidence to show that he is guilty of a uh, serious felony involving a 16-year-old girl. We don't know all the details yet, but to me, it's a bit of a surprise that he was indicted. I thought he had a chance to work his way out from under this, but that has now gone by. Hey, my friend, uh, marvelous series right now in the Chicago Sun-Times by uh, Rick Tellender about uh, head injuries. Uh, Rick, of course, was an all-Big Ten defensive back at uh, Northwestern. One of his teammates was uh, Mike Adamley. Uh, I've always thought the world of both uh, Rick and Mike. Uh, it finally comes to light that you know Mike has got his own uh, cranial issues from having played football from time to time. They will, they they will bother him on the ear. I mean, over the years, you know, people have said, "Hey, look at Adam Lee. He's drunk." No, the problem is not that Mike's a drinker by any stretch of the imagination. Mike has had issues because he played the game of football. My point is, are, are we headed toward a time in the next three or four years where? With so much data and information and uh, strong opinion coming out about head injuries and football, that we are going to see lawsuits galore tossed at uh, uh, 32 football teams and the NFL in general? I say yes. I think you're going to see it against the NFL. I think you're going to begin to see it against the NCAA or the schools where some of these guys played. Adam Lee was a terrific athlete, not a big guy. He played, he, he was a hitter. As a running back, he was an overachieving kind of guy, and obviously he took some serious damage. And here it is showing up when he's uh, 59 or 60 years old. It's quite amazing. You and I both know uh, Harry Carson, the great Giants linebacker. I have spent, I once spent a couple days with him, and he was describing to me how he could be going right down a simplest of sentences, and a word just would not get Mm -hmm. from his mind through the process to come out verbally. And here's a guy, smart as a whip, uh, a real citizenship kind of a guy, and he can't think of the word, you know, defense or offense. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the saddest thing to see. And I don't know that there's any treatment for it. Someday somebody's going to figure it out, and the players are going to have to recognize that as they get older, this doesn't get better. So they're going to have to look for relief from the teams, from the league along the way. But here's what's even more pathetic than uh, head injuries themselves. Teams could give a damn. Oh. Teams don't care. No. These guys are cattle. National Football League treats these guys as expendable inventory. You know that. I know that. Anybody who pays attention knows that. They they try to get as much out of them as they can in three and a half or four years on average, and then they cut them loose. The moment a player is released from the National Football League, he should be seeing a workers' compensation lawyer. He should be pursuing disability insurance. He should be doing all those things, and the teams make that almost impossible. In Florida... 
all those Florida teams, they actually go to the legislature and try to change the law so that professional football players do not have workers' compensation. They do oh. this every year. Oh my they hire God. lobbyists. And the same thing to a lesser extent in California. So they, not only do they treat the players badly, they fight them even after they've been hurt. How does the NFL get away with this nonsense about the United Way and Terry Bradshaw and, and Joe Buck talking about everything the NFL does for the community? Lester, this, this league is so dirty in its own way, it's ungodly. It really is. And yet they have uh, this image as one of the great enterprises of all time. They have the best public relations team I have seen anywhere. Led by Joe Brown. Led by Joe Brown and Greg Aiello. These guys are absolutely professional, top-of-the-line PR guys. I have nothing but respect for the work they do and the success they have. And they are able to establish the NFL in the eyes of the fans and of most of America in a certain way, and you and I know what the reality is. It's, it's, uh, it is amazing what they get away with. As we uh, speak right now in closing, Lester, uh, Tom Ricketts, the uh, new Cub owner, is in Africa on a, uh, uh, a charity mission. Given the way the ball club is playing, if you were Tom, would you stay there? <laughs> <laughs> I might stay there, see if I could find a shortstop in Nigeria somewhere. Although shortstop, we got covered. Maybe we need who knows what. No, he he should. I, I wish think he would we should use Prozac. <laughs> I wish he would come back and do something. I I I I don't think firing Panella is the answer. I'm a little unhappy with Hendry right now, but something's got to give. This team is playing way I, I, below I would, I would, as we speak, like to see dialogue between the ball club and Zambrano. Oh boy, wouldn't that be something? just just you know out of curiosity? Yeah. Right, right. That would, be, but right now they can't even get a hold of. <laughs> Soriano tried to reach him by phone, and the number was uh, out of service. Right, that's the essence of Carlos Zambrano. His best friend in the dugout doesn't have his phone number. <laughs> that reminds me of when of when Lou Holtz coached the New York Jets. And he told me what he hated about the NFL was every time he tried to call his quarterback, who just happened to be Joe Namath, he had to go to Jimmy Walsh, who was Namath's agent, and Namath would call back the following day. <laughs> Otherwise, he couldn't talk to him. Otherwise, he couldn't talk to him. <laughs> I love it. He is Lester Munson. I'm Chad Copic. We thank our tech man, Dan Levy. This has been Sports Court, brought to you by American Taxi, Chicago's premier suburban taxi service. So long, everybody.